Hello and welcome back to another episode of A Cozy Christmas Podcast. I'm your host, Art. The wind is howling outside right now. I don't know if you will be able to pick it up on the recording or not, but we have had some very strong wind over the last couple of days. And we've also enjoyed some spring-like weather, and I've been able to get outside for some fresh air and sunshine, and that has done me a world of good. Let me encourage you to get outside if, you, if you're able, to, even if it's just to open a window and sit in front of it. It is said to see the snow is melting, but I, I am looking forward to spring and I'm looking forward to summer. I've got, I've got some fun things planned for the summertime on the podcast, and I can't wait to share those with you. So I hope you are able to get outside, enjoy that fresh air, and to spread Christmas cheer with those that uh, you come into contact with. Today I want to share a, a listener email from John. And John wrote me back on Christmas Eve. And I had kind of lost his email in, in, in amongst all the other emails I had here. Um, so John, thank you for writing me back, or, or writing me all those months ago. And just for the kind words you said about the podcast he mentioned also that his his wife is pregnant with their first child. I'll have to get in touch with him and see how things are going there. Um, but he had an interesting perspective on A Christmas Carol and on Tiny Tim and Scrooge. I want to share that part of the email with you. And he said, to think about this, you know, let's of course pretend that uh, the story actually happened in history and that uh, God would be in control of the situations that proceed within the story. And so with those things in mind, he says, I had a thought about Tiny Tim and Ebenezer Scrooge. Some people might wonder why Ebenezer Scrooge, or a person of similar nature, was allowed to be redeemed. Marley's ghost even wonders that when he says, By what means I can appear to you now, I do not know. My thought is that Scrooge's redemption isn't about Scrooge, but it's more about Tiny Tim. Who is the one person who can affect Tiny Tim the most physically? Ebenezer Scrooge. The Cratchit family was too poor to help Tiny Tim out, and other wealthy individuals would not have known about the poor family. Thus, Ebenezer is the only one who logically could help Tiny Tim survive. Perhaps Scrooge's redemption isn't necessarily about Scrooge, though that is great. It is more about the salvation of Tiny Tim. I wonder what kind of man Tiny Tim would become. And I, I think that's a, certainly a valid interpretation. It's an interesting one. So maybe in the end, it wasn't about Scrooge, but it was about Tiny Tim. Maybe it was about the whole Cratchit family. You know, maybe Tiny Tim grew up and had a family of his own, and there was a, a, a child of his or a descendant of his that would end up doing something very great and helpful or helpful to the world. And that never would have been born if Tiny Tim had died. Maybe Tiny Tim himself grew up to do something great and helpful to the world. I don't know. Uh, it's an interesting thought. And honestly, I, I would say, why can't it be both? Uh, accepting John's premise here that God wanted to redeem and save Tiny Tim, and he chose to do that through Scrooge. But I would say also that it was God's, you know, again, assuming that this was real, that it would be God's 
plan to also redeem Scrooge, just for the sake of redeeming Scrooge. Because Scrooge needed redemption. You know his fate. It was the fate of Jacob Marley, who was tormented and in chains and is forced to wander the earth, perhaps throughout eternity. As Goofy says in Mickey's Christmas Carol, that he, he will wear those chains for eternity and maybe even longer. <laughs> I do know scripture says that Jesus Christ, that he came to seek and to save those who were lost. And in 1 Timothy chapter 2, there um, the apostle Paul writes about God, that he desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. And that salvation is through Jesus Christ. I've been thinking about that over the last couple of days. So John, I appreciate you writing in and, and giving me a fresh perspective on the story. You know, to look at not just Scrooge's redemption, but who and what is able to be redeemed in light of what the change that came over Scrooge. Scrooge changed, and I, I believe was delivered from that torment that was destined to be his. His relationship with his nephew, Fred, changed for the better. His relationship with the Cratchits changed for the better. Tiny Tim was able to be taken care of and receive the help he needed so that he did not die. Uh, and who knows about the other Cratchit family children? Um, unfortunately, the, the death rate was fairly high among, among young people in Victorian times. I think Scrooge was able to do a lot of good with what he had been given and the second chance that he was given. And I am content with the story and the way it ends. But to John, I say, part of me wonders too, what kind of a person did Tiny Tim grow up to be? What impact did Scrooge have on, on those beyond just the Cratchit family? It reminds me again of some teaching from scripture that Jesus says, said that we are to love one another and we are to love our neighbors. And I remember the Pharisees asked Jesus, well, who is our neighbor? And then Jesus tells them the story of the Good Samaritan. And we won't take the time to get into that story today, but I encourage you to read that and let that challenge you. What, who is our neighbor? For Scrooge, it was somebody he often overlooked and mistreated, the Cratchit family. Who can our neighbor be? Might be our physical neighbor, our next door neighbor, a friend, a person we meet in the store, show kindness to each other, show love to, to one another. It, it'll make the world a difference. So let me know what you think about John's theory, and we'll keep that conversation going. And, and John, thanks again for writing in. I love Christmas, and I love mysteries. And so when the two combine, you know, that's some of my favorite stories to read. And uh, Vicki Delaney has written a wonderful story called Rescue Murdered Gentlemen, and it's part of the year-round Christmas mystery series. The book description on Amazon says this, In Rudolph, New York, it's Christmas time all year long. But this December, while the snow-lined streets seem merry and bright, a murder is about to ruin everyone's holiday cheer in the first year-round Christmas mystery. As the owner of Mrs. Claus's treasures, Mary Wilkinson knows how to decorate homes for the holidays. That's why she thinks her float in the semi-annual Santa Claus parade 
is a shoe-in for best in show. But when the tractor pulling Mary's float is sabotaged, she has to face facts. There's a Scrooge in town. Mary isn't ready to point fingers, especially with a journalist in town writing a puff piece about Rudolph's Christmas spirit. But when she stumbles upon the reporter's body on a late-night dog walk, and police suspect he was poisoned by a gingerbread cookie crafted by her best friend Vicky, Mary will have to put down the jingle bells and figure out who's really been grinching about town before Vicky ends up on Santa's naughty list. So uh, for those of you who are mystery readers, you know this sounds like a, uh, a cozy mystery, and it certainly is. I mentioned that some of the books I'll be, we'll be talking about I haven't read yet, but this one I did read just a couple months ago, in fact, and I really enjoyed it, and so I'm excited to share this with you. Now, in the next episode, I'll talk a little bit more about this book, and I'm actually going to be able to talk with the author, so I'll have an interview with her, and we'll talk a bit about her Christmas mystery series as well as some of the many other books uh, that she's written. Now, if you don't know Vicki Delaney, I would encourage you to get out and, and look into some of her books, especially if you like mysteries. She's written quite a few series. Some are cozy mysteries, some are thrillers, or uh, standalone novels and suspense novels. But she has had a prodigious output of writing. This says that she has been nominated for the Arthur Ellis Awards, the Derringer, the Bonnie Blythe, and the Ontario Library Association's Golden Oak. Here on Amazon, again, the uh, author blurb says that Vicky is a past president of the Crime Writers of Canada, a member of Capital Crime Writers and Sisters in Crime, and a founder and organizer of Women Killing It, a festival of female crime writers held each year in Prince Edward County, Ontario, where she lives among the tomato and sunflower fields. Well, that sounds lovely. <laughs> Like I said, she's written several different series. I'm going to be reading, first of all, through her Christmas year-round series because I really enjoyed that first book. Um, some of the other titles in that series include We Wish You a Murderous Christmas, Hark the Herald Angels Slay, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and uh, the most recent one, Dying in a Winter Wonderland. So uh, today for the Cozy Christmas Book Corner recommendation. It'll be just a, a shorter segment today. I, I again encourage you to read Resty Murder Gentleman uh, or any of the books in her series. Uh, and they're available on Amazon, on Kindle, as well as in paperback. Also check your local library. You might find some there. And so stay tuned to, for next episode and we'll have Vicki on and we'll talk about her book, Resty Murdered Gentleman. I want to talk just a minute about the song, God Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And for the longest time, I hated that song. Here's why. Sometime in grade school, I was taking piano lessons. I, I didn't take them for more than about a year or two. But we had a Christmas recital coming up. And I really wanted to play the song, The Little Drummer Boy. You know, I had the sheet music. I, I played it. It, was, it sounded beautiful. I mean, to me. I thought I was playing it like, you know, Van Cliburn, and it sounded perfection, and I had it memorized and everything. I went to my teacher and said, you know, this is a song I want to play, and, and she listened to me play it, and 
all that. And she said, well, I, I really think I want you to play this song. And it was God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. And it wasn't as complicated as this other song was. Uh, but she said it was more reflective of where I was, where I was at. And the other one, I, I can't remember if she said it was too hard for me or it was too advanced from where I was at, even though I could play it. And again, I'm relying on my memory. I have no idea how it sounded in real life. But to me, I thought it sounded okay. And my family said, yeah, it sounds fine. Anyway, I didn't want to play this song. So because I can be a bit passive aggressive, I I didn't memorize it. I didn't practice it very much. And as it got closer to the recital time, we, we had a practice for the recital. And it was like a day or two before. And, you know, we all got together to kind of just run through the program all the kids did who had the who were in the recital and you're supposed to have your song memorized by then and I didn't so I got in a little bit of trouble for that but the teacher made sure to, to note that I would have it memorized by concert night well the afternoon of the concert comes around and I still haven't memorized this song I could play it but I didn't have it memorized so I think it was my dad found out and made me sit down at the piano and play it over and over and over and over again until I had it memorized. And so I have this memory of that afternoon playing God Rest You Merry Gentlemen over and over and over and over again uh, until I had it memorized. And as a consequence, by that night at the concert, I could play that song forward, backwards, upside down, whatever, probably not. But I had it memorized, and I went did the, did the recital, and it was fine. Uh, I, I played it fine, and, and everything worked out in the end. But I got so sick of that song that I just could not listen to it anymore for a very long time. And, and then, you know, as, as a teenager and young adult, every time I'd hear the song, I'd get these feelings of anger or frustration, and I couldn't really explain why other than... It had this bad memory attached to it when I was a kid. I'm, I'm happy to say now that I've gotten over, <laughs> I've gotten over it, and I can listen to the song and enjoy it just fine, because it is a, it's a, uh, it's a classic Christmas carol, and I, I do have several versions now that I like to listen to. You know, a word to the wise: if you have a recital or some kind of performance, don't wait till the last minute. Even though that's where it seems like I operate all the time is at the last minute. Uh, <laughs> I guess I'm the president of the Procrastinators Club or something. In any case, that's uh, that's one of my Christmas memories I thought I'd share with you today. And I would love to hear from you and some of your Christmas memories. Uh, so you can email those to me or, or send a sound recording telling me about your Christmas memories to CozyChristmasPodcast at gmail.com. And I will have, and I will put it on the show in an upcoming show. And I'll send you a Christmas card and some podcast and a podcast sticker to say thanks. Charles Dickens is so connected with Christmas. For me, it's hard to imagine Christmas without at least some reference to him and some of his work. Have you ever wondered what the Christmas story would be like if it were written by Charles Dickens? Well, we don't have to wonder because we have. We have that. There was a small book published after his death in 
1935, and it's called The Life of Our Lord. This has an interesting history behind it. When his children were, some of his children were young, he wanted them to know about his faith and about Jesus Christ. And so he wrote some stories for them where he is essentially retelling the Gospels, the Gospel story of Jesus Christ in his own words. It was written between the years 1846 and 1849. Um, Just to put that in historical context for you, um, A Christmas Carol came out in 1843. But this book wasn't written for publication. In fact, he was very adamant about that, that this was a personal story, a personal letter he wrote to his children, and it was intended for them to read it so that they may understand about Jesus as well as, you know, what Dickens believes about Jesus. And he wanted to pass that on to his his children. This was being written uh, also around the same time that he was writing David Copperfield. David Copperfield is a story that is very uh, autobiographical of Dickens, where he he delves into some of his past that is very painful to recall. And I find it incredibly interesting that he is also during this time writing to his children about who Jesus is so that they may know who Jesus is. Uh, So this story appeared for the first time in the New York Times, and it was first published there in 1934. And the newspaper wrote this about this story. It said, it said, it was not for profit, not for publicity, but as a domestic and paternal privilege that Charles Dickens took up the most lucrative pen in the literature of his day and dedicated it freely to the, to the brief and earnest manuscript printed for the first time in this unusual little book. And uh, Dickens referred to this as a children's New Testament. And so it is written with that in mind. The manuscript, according to the introduction of the, of the book, the manuscript came to light after Sir Henry Fielding's death in 1933, and it was hailed as one of the century's greatest finds. When Simon & Schuster published the first American edition, critics warned that it could not compare to Dickens's other work, but the reading public made it one of the year's biggest bestsellers. The New York Times reported that The Life of Our Lord was syndicated in 300 newspapers, and the editors of those papers noticed increased sales due to the Dickens feature. More than 50 years after his death, Charles Dickens was again the literary star. And uh, the edition I have has an introduction written by Gerald Dickens, who has been on the podcast before. I even got it autographed by him, and you know that's the one I'd recommend you get if you wanted to to check out this book. I'm going to read from the first chapter, The Life of Our Lord by Charles Dickens. Chapter the First. My dear children, I am very anxious that you should know something about the history of Jesus Christ. For everybody ought to know about him. No one ever lived who was so good, so kind, so gentle, and so sorry for all people who did wrong, or were in any way ill or miserable as he was. And as he is now in heaven, where we hope to go, and all to meet each other after we are dead, and there be happy always together, you can never think what a good place heaven is without knowing who he was and what he did. He was born a long, long time ago, nearly 2,000 years ago, 
at a place called Bethlehem. His father and mother lived in a city called Nazareth, but they were forced by business to travel to Bethlehem. His father's name was Joseph, and his mother's name was Mary. And the town being very full of people, also brought there by business, there was no room for Joseph and Mary in the inn or in any house. So they went into a stable to lodge, and in this stable Jesus Christ was born. There was no cradle or anything of that kind there, so Mary laid her pretty little boy in what is called the manger, which is the place the horses eat out of, and there he fell asleep. While he was asleep, some shepherds who were watching sheep in the fields saw an angel from God, all light and beautiful, come moving over the grass towards them. At first they were afraid and fell down and hid their faces, but it said, There is a child born today in the city of Bethlehem near here, who will grow up to be so good that God will love him as his own son, and he will teach men to love one another, and not to quarrel and hurt one another, and his name will be Jesus Christ, and people will put that name in their prayers because they will know God loves it and will know that they should love it too. And then the angel told the shepherds to go to that stable and look at that little child in the manger, which they did. And they kneeled down by it in its sleep and said, God bless this child. Now the great place of all that country was Jerusalem, just as London is the great place in England. And at Jerusalem the king lived, whose name was King Herod. Some wise men came one day from a country a long way off in the east and said to the king, we have seen a star in the sky which teaches us to know that a child is born in Bethlehem who will live to be a man whom all people will love. When King Herod heard this, he was jealous, for he was a wicked man. But he pretended not to be and said to the wise men, Whereabouts is this child? And the wise men said, We don't know, but we think the star will show us. For the star has been moving on before us all the way here and is now standing still in the sky. Then Herod asked them to see if the star would show them where the child lived and ordered them, if they found the child, to come back to him. So they went out and the star went on over their heads a little way before them until it stopped over the house where the child was. This was very wonderful, but God ordered it to be so. When the star stopped, the wise men went in and saw the child with Mary, his mother. They loved him very much and gave him some presents. Then they went away, but they did not go back to King Herod, for they thought he was jealous, though he had not said so. So they went away by night back into their own country. And an angel came and told Joseph and Mary to take the child into a country called Egypt, or Herod would kill him. So they escaped too in the night, the father, the mother, and the child, and arrived there safely. But when this cruel Herod found that the wise men did not come back to him, and that he could not therefore find out where this child, Jesus Christ, lived, he called his soldiers and captains to him and told them to go and kill all the children in his dominions that were not more than two years old. The wicked men did so. The mothers of the children ran up and down the streets with them in their arms, trying to save them and hide them in caves and cellars, but it was of no use. 
the soldiers with their swords killed all the children they could find. This dreadful murder was called the murder of the innocents, because the little children were so innocent. King Herod hoped that Jesus Christ was one of them. But he was not, as you know, for he had escaped safely into Egypt, and he lived there with his father and mother until bad King Herod died. Chapter the Second When King Herod was dead, an angel came to Joseph again and said he might now go to Jerusalem and not be afraid for the child's sake. So Joseph and Mary and her son Jesus Christ, who are commonly called the Holy Family, traveled towards Jerusalem. But hearing on the way that King Herod's son was the new king and fearing that he too might want to hurt the child, they turned out of the way and went to live in Nazareth. They lived there until Jesus Christ was twelve years old. Then Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem to attend a religious feast which used to be held in those days, in the Temple of Jerusalem, which was a great church or cathedral, and they took Jesus Christ with them. And when the feast was over, they traveled away from Jerusalem, back towards their own home in Nazareth, with a great many of their friends and neighbors. For people used then to travel a great many together, for fear of robbers, the roads not being so safe and well guarded as they are now, and traveling being much more difficult altogether than it now is. They traveled on for a whole day, and never knew that Jesus Christ was not with them. For the company being so large, they thought he was somewhere among the people, though they did not see him. But finding that he was not there, and fearing that he was lost, they turned back to Jerusalem in great anxiety to look for him. They found him sitting in the temple, talking about the goodness of God and how we should all pray to him with some learned men who were called doctors. They were not what you understand by the word doctors now. They did not attend sick people. They were scholars and clever men. And Jesus Christ showed such knowledge in what he said to them and in the questions he asked them that they were all astonished. He went with Joseph and Mary home to Nazareth when they had found him and lived there until he was 30 or 35 years old. And that was the first and part of the second chapter of The Life of Our Lord by Charles Dickens, written for his children so that they may know about Jesus Christ. I think it's a very charming retelling. I wanted to read part of the second because of the second chapter because I, I didn't want to end the way the first chapter did, um, you know, just on the murder of innocence. That's such a dark, dark moment in history. So that's a, a little bit about Dickens and his perspective on the birth of Christ. Coming up next week, I'll probably read another selection from this book and we'll look at his crucifixion since uh, that episode will drop near the end of March, it'll be close to Easter, and uh, I may have a special Easter episode that will drop as well, um, but I've got a few things i got to plan out for that yet. So if you want to hear more about how Dickens wrote about Jesus to his children, um, stay tuned for the next episode. We will see what Dickens has to say. Well, the wind is trying to blow my windows down and is knocking our house around, so it is time for me to, to sign off for today, but I want to thank you again for listening to the show. I would love it if 
you leave a review and tell your friends about this show that may may enjoy it. So share the joy of Christmas by sharing this podcast. Um, if you want to help us out financially, you can go to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com backslash cozy Christmas. And for the price of a cup of coffee, you can you can donate to the show. Because of some very generous donations, I was able to purchase some Christmas books and things that uh, we're going to be talking about in upcoming episodes. So um, I want to thank you all very much uh, who have been donating uh, to the podcast. You could also go to my Etsy store. And if I re- remember, I'll put the link in the show notes. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Vicki Delaney, author of the of our book of the month, Presty Murder Gentleman and the year-round Christmas mystery series. Let me know again if you have any Christmas memories you'd like me to share, stories, thoughts, questions. Send them to my email or reach out to me on social media. Till next time, be kind to each other and share your stories. And remember that there is nothing in the world so irresistibly contagious as laughter and good humor. And as Tiny Tim said, God bless us everyone. Have a very Merry Christmas.